The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. Yeah, welcome to another episode of Get Paid, your one-stop shop for all things fantasy gambling and daily fantasy. We are proud partners of Underdog Media. You can also find us on Podcast One. You are listening, as usual, to Sean and Brad. Brad, what's going on, my man? Well, how do you do, Sean? How you doing? I'm doing all right, man. It's it's um, I, I'm enjoying the finals, which I want to talk about with you in a little bit. But it's yeah, it's just that time of year, man. That June time of year. I'm an NFL guy. You're an NFL guy. And just like hard to find some information. We got a little a little bit to talk about today, but not a ton. I just can't wait for for July and when camps start to open up. Oh, it's going to be fantastic. Yeah, it is a bit of a dead zone, right? The finals are good, but they're not exactly the greatest. I mean, the matchup itself isn't exactly spectacular. Would you agree? Yeah, and um, you know, I was watching. I know you're a big herd watcher. I was watching uh, Colin Coward yesterday, and he was saying, you know, this is the uh, the finals with an asterisk because basically all of Golden State's going down with injury. At this point, yeah. but they're still they still won game two, which I- I'm sorry, there's no way they should have won that game, but they won it, and they're going to continue to win. Yeah. I hate to uh, disappoint anyone out there, basically the whole rest of the world that doesn't live in San Francisco, um, but the Raptors are not going to win this. You know, I mean, it's it's Kawhi Leonard who's fantastic, and then a bunch of just kind of guys. And I do like Marcus Gasol, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I hear like what you're saying. Marcus Gasol, but he's kind of just a guy. I mean, yeah. He's very likable, um, Kyle Lowry. He's he can be pretty good in moments, but uh, he's also just kind of a dude. I don't know if he's ever made an All Star team, perhaps once out of a, a few years. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, maybe in the East, right? He wouldn't make the All Star team in the West. Yeah, right. And you know, I'm just speaking off the top of my head. Sure. I don't know the answer to that. Maybe he has. And uh, that guy Green they have there that used to play for San Antonio. Um, He's a bit of a stone age when it comes to three-point shooters. He doesn't necessarily create his own shots like the the top players do these days. It's it's a fine team. They're a good team, but um, they're playing against a great team that is so deep. I hear you, man. And, and I'm looking at the odds, so I'm looking at uh, Wednesday. I think this podcast is going to drop on Wednesday. Um, game three, back in Golden State. It's Golden State minus six, Toronto plus six. So... Mm-hmm. You know, I actually I don't know about I I don't know about betting that one. I I think, I mean, obviously, like you said in the previous podcast, is like why do you ever bet against Golden State, even with the injuries and all that? And right. they're going to be a little bit more juiced. Um, so I I wouldn't necessarily bet against Golden State. Actually, I can tell you, I would not bet under uh, against Golden State under any scenario in any game. Uh, they're at that point for me, especially after Game Two. Right. But, um, but here's the pattern. Yeah, go ahead, Sean. No, you, you got it. You got it. I mean, the pattern that they've had for the past, what, three weeks is they find themselves down double digits in like with two minutes left in the third. And then they somehow manage to eradicate that, you know, and, and persevere. So, I mean, betting, I, I wouldn't bet against them either. But it's not like they're blowing anybody away. They're just finding ways to win when it counts. It's almost like I to use a tennis analogy. It's almost like you know t- what Roger Federer is doing now in his career as he's an older guy, right? He's he's getting skinnier and skinnier to try to eke out whatever quickness he can eke out because 
you know, in tennis, it's like NFL running backs. Once he hit 30, you're kind of old at that point. Mm-hmm. And so, like, he's just trying to eke out whatever he can eke out. And then he saves himself for the big tournaments. Like, I was surprised that he's even playing the French Open because I think he skipped it the last two years to prep up for Wimbledon. And yeah. it's it, like Golden State's like, you know, we're getting older, you know, banged up a little bit. Let's just stay in striking distance. And striking distance for them is 15 points because then you can make that up in two minutes. And, yeah, uh, and they actually can, unlike any other team I've ever seen before. Yeah, and I mean, I, I'm. I, I, what do you? What can? What else can you say? I mean, what new angle can you take with this team? Is you know, I, we I saw, don't know. I you, don't know. I think the answer is maybe to just be super chippy and super annoying, that's just good, to, yeah, you know, just to get them off their spot, you know. And I think, I think Houston was onto something there. I think they they tried that tactic and it worked for a little bit from what I saw, but obviously that didn't hold up. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know, man. You got to get them out of their zone. I, they're just so deep that they'll, they'll just pound you any which way they can. They're a good team, man. Uh, I mean, it's either they played, I think, uh, somebody was saying like every, every, every one of the 13 active players played in game two, um, uh, because you know, Clay Thompson popped his hamstring and he was out. Um, but you know, people, people kind of forget, you know, with all the injury injuries, Draymond Green's still pretty healthy. You Correct. know, and I feel like a Draymond Green plus Steph Curry can beat Kawhi Leonard plus Marcus Saul plus you know Lowry or you know whoever you want to say. And then if Thompson is indeed fine, then you know they're still clear. If you're far and away the better team, so now, I, not to not to talk out both sides of my mouth, but I think Clay Thompson is a very undervalued player on that team. As ludicrous as that may sound, he's he can almost be considered in my eyes as. He's the straw, uh, the straw that stirs the drink in a way. The guy is so phenomenal, and he's what their third best player. I know, right, I right. Know. And he just comes up huge in these moments, but he's overshadowed by the fact that he's not Steph Curry or Kevin Durant. So that could be a problem for them. It's a possibility. It's not likely, but it's it's possible. Yeah, the, um, I didn't say it last week here. It, it, the thought occurred to me both here and in the Functional Sports of Hawk when I was talking to Sam about this. And it was after, I think, it must have been Functional Sports of Hawk because game one had already been, been played. And I said, okay, you know, Toronto won. I, you know, I can't say I was shocked by it. You know, it's one of those things, game one at home in Toronto. It would have surprised me a lot more if they won game one on the road. But um, it, I was wondering, is this almost like, do you remember when the Pistons, the, the more recent Pistons teams with like uh, Ben Wallace and Chauncey Billups, yep. when they yep. won their first title, I think it was against the Lakers. And, and it was. And I, they swept the Lakers. And I remember right. the same thing happened. The Pistons won game one. And I thought, eh, you know, it is what it is. And I think that, if I'm not mistaken, that was the Lakers team that not only had Shaq and Kobe, but I believe they also had Carl Malone and Gary Payton at the end of I their career. I think careers. it was. Yes, I think it was. And everybody in the world was just thinking, you know, Lakers Lakers in five or six, just like I said, Warriors uh, game in five and six. And so I was wondering, going into game two, I was wondering, okay, what are we going to get here? Are we going to get a Toronto team that wins game two, and then all of a sudden they're going back to Golden State with a lot of confidence, and do they pick up game two? Is this going to be like one of those Pistons? It's rare, but one of those Pistons and Lakers teams where everybody's just like, whoa, steamroll. Right. And, right. Um, right. and everything was lined up for the Raptors to do that. They were up you know, double digits in that game, the injury issues with Golden State, and poof. Um, you know. Yeah, right. I mean... <laughs> It's so true. It was theirs for the taking. But Golden State had a guy come off the bench. I forget his name. Little guy with a fro. Was it Looney? I mean, 
It must have been, yeah, I think it was. And he popped like three clutch threes, <laughs> didn't he? Like, what Sam, are you supposed to do? Yeah, Sam was. It's interesting because again on the on the functional sportsaholic podcast, Sam was talking about him because I think we were talking about Golden State and bench and all that stuff. And I think Sam was saying, you know, yeah, I mean that Looney, he's he's pretty good, but nobody ever talks about him because why would you? Why would you right. talk about him? Because you got like thirty other people that are like you know potential Hall of Fame caliber players in front of him, and the guy just can't get looks. But all of a sudden, you know, enough guys go down, then this guy... Um, so, like, I'll, I'll give credit to Sam on that, because Sam, I don't think I'd ever heard his name before. Mm-hmm. Um, Sam mentioned him, and I'm talking months ago, like in October or something. And um, and he said, dude, I mean, the guy's good. He's just never going to get on the court, because he's got all these people in front of him. So now, I mean, it, I, I think if you're talking to Sam, and, I, and we'll record our episode of Functional Sports of Hawk, we'll probably get a little bit deeper into the game. I'm curious to see what he thinks of the situation and the matchup because he he goes a lot deeper, like you and I do with NFL, Brad. He goes mm-hmm. a lot deeper with that in football and or in basketball and kind of knows X's and O's and how they'll how they'll match up. So I, I'm looking forward to talking um, talking to him about that. If you're an NBA fan, I definitely uh, suggest you you pop in on that because Sam kind of gives you more of the uh, the NBA type analysis, um, whereas you know Brad and I talk conversationally about it. And there's nothing wrong with that. Not that no, there's anything wrong with that. Little coffee talk. Little coffee talk. All right, let's swing at uh, the NFL side. So you had a couple things you wanted to talk about. I had a couple things I wanted to talk about. Let's just um, kick it off. Actually, you know what? Hey, before we get to your stuff, I, I texted you about this earlier today. So Todd Gurley, there was a report out. And and by the way, everybody, my uh, my fantasy football draft guide is out. It's called the 2019 Fantasy Football Almanac and Draft Guide. It's available on Amazon. All you have to do there is search for Sean Ryan. Search for like functional sports of Hallark, or you can search for fantasy football almanac, and uh, it'll pop up. Gr- uh, black and white cover, gray. Uh, I'm sorry, gold letters. It's uh, it's really good. But um, I had Todd Gurley ranked fairly high because I assumed he was going to be healthy. Well, there's a report that the Rams are a little concerned about his knee still, and that's mm. really concerning to me. Have you heard that, Brad? Uh, I have not heard that up until today when you told me about it. For some reason, I hadn't caught that on any of the the talking head shows yet. Uh, but yeah, that is cause for concern. Yeah, and we saw at the end of the year. I wonder what it is because I, I mean, I maybe I missed it in the off season, but I didn't see him go down for any surgery. Mm, so I kind mm. of felt like maybe that was like a meniscus or a sprained MCL because you sprain one of those things at the end of the year, an MCL. Um, I mean, shoot, even a high ankle sprain can really limit you as a running back. And but that's one of those things you rest it for eight weeks and you're fine. And so I kind of assumed and I anticipated, and all my metrics for my book anticipated Gurley would be fine. Um, but now I'm seeing in the report that the Rams even privately are concerned. And then on top of that, they drafted one of my favorite running backs in the draft. Um, he doesn't get a lot of publicity, and of course he went to the Rams, so he's behind Gurley on the depth chart. But there's a guy, Daryl Henderson, who was drafted out of Memphis. He's really good. And um, he's a guy that can catch the ball out of the backfield, and he can run, and he's explosive. And to me, like... That's exactly what the Rams kind of need to spell Gurley a little bit. So those two reports, I got to say, man, I'm probably going to lean off of Gurley and, and move him down in my rankings. But even as a Rams fan, I'm a little I'm a little concerned about it, depending on how Henderson looks in, uh, you know, in training camp. Although I do think Henderson is uh, I think he's a starting caliber player, honestly, especially in that system. Can I just say this? What, what is with them keeping uh, Gurley and all his injuries a secret? I don't understand. Like, even when it was happening, they benched him. They wouldn't tell anybody. And even now to this day, they don't let anybody know how he's feeling. And it's friggin' bizarre. And it's super annoying. 
I don't I don't understand it. I think just it's, tell everybody what's going on. Well, I think that it's the Patriots thing where they just don't give you any information. Although I would say it's that was borderline tampering because there are rules. You have to disclose certain something you have to a certain to. That's extent. That's why they have the the depth charts and the injury charts and the you know you got to classify each guy where mm-hmm. he's at. That's it, there are rules to it, and for some reason. They don't want to enforce it. I don't understand what what kind of advantage that would even give them or anybody. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I guess the advantage is they have to game plan for the running looks. But in in reality, Brad, I mean, we saw what was going on with C.J. Anderson at the end of last season. You and I talked about it. Like, dude, this guy's pretty freaking good, too, like in the system. And I think it's a system that's going to open things up. So, I mean, everybody, and this is part of what my almanac is about, too, is like, I like Gurley. I think he's talented. I don't think he's the best running back in the league. I think he's, the reason he scored highest last year is he's a pretty darn good running back in terms of physical talent, probably definitely top 10. Uh, But he's in the, like, the best system for running backs. And so when I, I, go ahead, yeah. I was going to finish that thought with uh, Daryl Henderson. I liked him coming out of college. I think he's great. If we live in a universe where Todd Gurley retires or he's out for the season or something like that, and Daryl Henderson comes in, I think it's going to be very similar to James Conner in Pittsburgh last year when I was telling everybody, look, you know, if Le'Veon Bell goes out, James Conner is going to come in. He may not, he might not, you know, be 100% of what Bell was, but he can be 90 to 95%. And that's kind of what you need at the running back position. Yeah, I don't disagree. I just want to say this. I have this feeling that the Rams are going to take a step back this year. I think that they're going to be on the wild card cusp. For the first half of the season last year, nobody could touch them. Mm-hmm. And the second half of the season, almost everybody could. I mean, they they squeaked one out against Green Bay. That was the first one. And then I think uh, the two out of their next three were won by mm-hmm. just a, a hair of their chin. And they weren't the the unstoppable greatest show on, on uh, grass that they were for the first, first half. You know, so I, I don't think that bodes well for them. Also... You know, statistics show that losing a Super Bowl does not bode well for you the next season. Mm. Yeah, the Super Bowl hangover, hangover. Super Bowl hangover. You get that far, you lose a big game, you play like crap. I I think it's very possible. The Los Angeles Rams are going to be Zach Gilifanakis, bearded, bearded, and uh, slipping quaaludes to everybody. Yeah, you know, and I, I don't, I don't know. I haven't bought into that quarterback yet. Just saying. No, I, I I would say I agree with you, Brad, about golf. Um, you know, I think it's a I think it's a system. I mean, we saw golf. He was a uh, everybody was saying he was a bust when um, when he had I think it was Fisher and Schottenheimer. Yes, yes. Um, and then you know McVeigh comes in and he schemes you know as as well as anybody schemes in this league. Um, McVeigh was also the one that uh, brought Kirk Cousins into prominence as well. I mean, the system is definitely quarterback friendly. Uh, but, you know, of course, you give credit where credit is due. I, I would say Goff is a better version of Kirk Cousins. That's how I feel about it. And yes. I, I also think that, I mean, let's just say, um, look, I don't think they should have beaten New Orleans. And your argument about, or what you were just saying about the Rams were, were touchable to, at the end of the year and untouchable at the beginning of the year. Um, I think we even said on the podcast they reminded me of that Packers team that started like eleven and zero all those years ago, right? Right. And then like then they just I don't know ran out of steam or the teams got their number or what yeah, happened. Someone and, exposed them once and then that's yeah that's hey, something right yeah. So but I'll say you know in I think there's a, there's a lot to like about golf. Here's just the other side of that argument is you know Cousins. I am supremely confident that Cousins will match golf statistically. 
and lose the first round of the playoffs if he gets in the playoffs. Whereas Goff, we saw him win a playoff game. Now, they shouldn't have won it, but they were close. They were close in that playoff game. Yeah, should have, would have. You know, it came down to one play. That was a bad call. But but even if that play doesn't happen, they, they could have won. Yep. They, they were in it, on the road, in New Orleans. With Gurley giving them the road, nothing. Correct? It was on the road, and and yeah. actually, I think our analysis. I remember saying, like, look, you know, I am not a big believer because we saw golf kind of lay an egg um, in 2017 when they played Atlanta. Um, I think Atlanta like won like 13 to three. It was some some pathetic score like that. And this is the Rams, you know, but the Rams couldn't get it going, and they were they had a home game if I if I remember correctly against Atlanta. I I, I might be wrong on that. They might have been in the dome, but um, you know, golf to me was just like, hey, you know. Young quarterbacks sometimes they have to get the jitters out, and Goff to me seemed like he was tight. And yes, what that's I like, the same thing. yeah, and and he exactly the Cousins thing. Why I think Cousins doesn't win playoff games because he gets tight, and it's you know we we saw it with Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning was able to overcome it later in his career, but um, and I think Goff is one of those guys that could overcome it. And I liked what I saw at the end of New Orleans because when it became clear. In the second half, there that golf or um, that Gurley and C.J. Anderson were going to get it done against that tough New Orleans run defense. Golf did make a couple of throws there, uh, but he also missed by just an inch or two a couple of throws that would have iced the game for the Rams too. So he still has a process, and uh, you know, and and I, yeah. and I and that's why you and I. I mean, it was so easy money um, in our Super Bowl bet. It was just like, come on, man, it's Patriots all day, all day. Right, right. And I'm not saying the guy's a bomb by any means. No, I mean, not no. close to that. Um, but I, just as far as being, you know, the guy, you know, we're always looking for that, that quarterback that, you know, right now there's currently four, it's Breeze, it's, it's Rogers, it's Manning, Brady. right? Brady. Yeah, not, Manning. not Manning. Not Manning. Yeah. That's old school <laughs> programming. Right there. But, no, I uh, think you know, maybe th- Roethlisberger, maybe, maybe Roethlisberger, maybe luck, right? You're always yeah. looking for the next guy and, and you don't know if it's going to be him. You don't know if it's going to be Garoppolo. Bears fans hoping it's their guy, right? And and all I'm saying is we don't know yet. The verdict is still out. I can tell you that after watching the playoffs last year, Mahomes, the way he battled yeah, back in that guy. AFC championship game, Goff doesn't have the, the yet, doesn't yet have the mental makeup that Mahomes showed, right? That just the balls you have to play with in the playoffs. Yeah, maybe it's start maybe it's about time we start including Mahomes on that list of four. You know? let, let me get a second season, but I agree with you. Russell Wilson's another one. Yep, yep, for sure. Um, yeah, but I agree with you. And I, I, golf could be, I think, you know, I don't even think you would argue. In fact, I think we did a top 10 quarterback, and he might have been on my list. I can't remember. Maybe he was on my, like, top 10 or top 5 for now. But golf is, like, in that top 10, right? He's in the upper third, you know, give or take, maybe a couple, maybe he's 12 or something like that. America's pastime is back, the smell of the grass, the crack of the bat, and now that sensation of money burning a hole in your pocket. Yahoo! Daily Fantasy Contests bring you closer than ever to the game you love. Yahoo! Daily Fantasy offers single-day and week-long contests so you can pick a new team every single day if you'd like, and I like it. To get started, go to yahoo.com slash dailyfantasy and find a contest that's right for you. Try a 50-50 contest where 50% of the lineups win, or you can try Yahoo's innovative quick match feature where they'll pair you with another player of your skill level. And that's a big thing. You know, a, a lot of the uh, the daily fantasy providers out there, they get nailed because they, you know, they, they, some people, there are some sharks out there taking advantage. You don't get that with Yahoo or play for larger prizes and bigger bragging rights and guaranteed prize pool contests. Yahoo Daily Fantasy also has the lowest management fees across the industry. Don't play with the other sites that charge high fees just to get in on the action. Yahoo's lower fees mean more prizes for you, the players, and, of course, the winning. 
Use promo code POD25 for $25 off and free play when you make your first deposit. The sooner you get to playing, the sooner you can get to winning. Go to, once again, everybody, it's yahoo.com slash daily fantasy to start playing. That promo code for that free $25, it's POD25. Very minimal um, uh, account um, entry to get in there. Go ahead. Once again, POD25, it's yahoo.com slash daily fantasy. Coming soon to Podcast One, the GG Podcast with Rick Fox, Jace Hall, and Todd Roy. Log on to see the world behind the esports you love and find out what good game really means from the trio who's taken the business by storm, including the three-time NBA champion behind Team Echo Fox. Download new episodes of the GG Podcast every week on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. I think we can come up with ten quarterbacks that you would take over golf. Well, let's well let's let's go off the top of our heads, and I'm sure we'll miss it because we didn't prep this. But um, you know, okay. obviously the, those ones we just mentioned. So you got Brady, Rogers, Breeze, Roethlisberger, um, Wilson, Mahomes. I think you can definitely put in there. Yep. So that's six right off yep. the bat. Okay, Andrew Luck. Yeah, oh yeah, seven. Yep. Okay, that's seven. Jeez, that's a, that's a really good list of seven quarterbacks, man. Right, right. That's like a fourth it's, of the league right there. Yeah, Jeez. the quarterback quarterback has gotten deep. I, I remember know. about 10 years ago, it was a little stagnant. It was a little stale. Mm-hmm. It's gotten deep. All right, so moving along, we got Phillip Rivers. Would you take Phillip Rivers over Jared Goff? Man, I, I, put, them, I put them in the same class of quarterback. If I had to okay. win one game, I would take Rivers. You're right. Okay, well, so do you want to put him as a maybe, as an equal? Yeah, I would say equal. So, okay, so we'll stick. We have seven so far. Mm-hmm. And like you said, we're probably missing some. We got Matt Ryan, who I think is also an equal. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Um, so still at seven. Cam Newton, an equal? No, I, 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 because he's so he's so inconsistent. At least we know what golf, golf is. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay. Um, all right, so maybe I stand Deshaun Watson. That. Deshaun Watson. No, well, uh, you know, I don't. I don't know. That's an iffy one, right? I mean, he doesn't have enough uh, tenure. To I think, really yeah, but I think the, but he's we great. just we I, we just listed four right there. So depending on how you feel about him, he could be he could be eight or he could be eleven or twelve or something like that, right? So, right. But yeah, I mean, I agree with you. He's not in the he's not in that top tier. Everybody's always trying to put people in the top tier. You can't put thirty two quarterbacks in the top tier. It's not how it works. I mean, shoot, I don't even think he could put five quarterbacks, and we I would have a tough time. I mean, it's really hard, Brady. Breeze, Rogers, you know, who would be four? Is it Luck? Is it Wilson? I think you got to go Big Ben still. I don't know, man. I think today I I would take Russell Wilson over Big Ben in a one-game have-to-have-it situation. But, I mean, Mm. you're splitting hairs here. You really are. Mm. But I think we can say, and again, we're splitting hairs, and it's, you know, a debate that kind of leads nowhere. But I think you can say that Big Ben and Russell Wilson – are definitely a part of the top tier. And then everybody else you mentioned after that are below them. Whichever rank you give them, they're below them. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, you're basically, it's your Super Bowl winning quarterbacks at that top tier, right? Right. Big Ben, Russell Wilson, Brady, Rodgers, Breeze, Mahomes. Mm-hmm. And everybody else below them, you can start stacking. Yeah. Interestingly, I was, um, uh, there's another book that, uh, that the, the functional sports company is releasing. It's more of a daily fantasy. It's also fantasy football, but it's more daily fantasy geared. 
um, we acquired, I can't remember if I announced it on the show or not, but we acquired the rights for uh, Roto Solo. It's basically a stat guide, and I'm putting some of the functional sportsaholic math into it, and we're doing some projections. It's going to be cool. It's going to be unlike anything out there for fantasy and cool. daily fantasy. But um, I, because I've been so heavy into stats um, and kind of reviewing the book um, along with the Roto Solo um, folks, the the Mahomes stats that are coming back, the projections are like to have him down, down, right? This is downgraded to like 38 touchdowns down from 50. And I thought it was interesting when I ran my projections, I think I had him at like 46 ish, 48 ish touchdowns, which that's going to be tough to get. Um, but I think like Kansas city, a lot of that hinges on uh, Tyreek Hill and his availability. And well, what's going on with him? Is he coming back? Dude, it's, it's up in the air. Here's the thing. Here's when I saw that news hit, I think I tweeted, uh Oh, and then like, you know, a day a day later, something else came out like a like a phone recording. I was like, double uh oh, basically. We saw what happened last year with Kareem Hunt, right? Kareem Hunt, you heard there was a skirmish. Um, Kansas City kept him. They played him. Then the video came out. They released him immediately. They said, nope, no way. Yeah. Um, well, Tyreek Hill, this thing came out. He has a history of some domestic issues. I think maybe even dating back to college. And I thought, uh, you know, Kansas City, um, you know, are they consistent? You know, they had the Kareem Hunt video, so their hands were kind of tied there, but they showed a quick and decisive, we're getting rid of them kind of thing, yeah. right? Um, so I thought, are they going to be consistent, or is it one of those things where they need to see the video for it to be consistent? Well, then the, they, like his girlfriend, or um, I don't think it's a wife, I think it's a girlfriend, I could be wrong mm-hmm. on that. Mm-hmm. She recorded him on her phone, basically entrapping him, and was saying, mm-hmm. like, you know, try, trying to get him to admit that he beat up on his son or something like that. You know, I, 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 I want to bring this up. It's a weird, weird thing because if you're a team, the Chiefs, for example, and you have the guy on your team that committed the domestic assault or whatever crime, and you have to take a a zero-tolerance stance and you have to get rid of him, right? It's understood. Like, okay, gone. But sometime later, a different team can pick up that very same guy and they're not considered ass bags, Mm -hmm. right? It's a weird thing, but why not? Why can't the the team that has him in house maybe work with him or suspend him or rehabilitate or whatever? Why is it that they have to have the burden of just saying, nope, we can't have you gone just to save face? It's just like a PR conundrum, really. I mean, why is it acceptable for the Raiders to come along six months later and say, "Okay, we'll take you and no one cares? Yeah, it's I mean, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's really activist groups that care. The NFL fans don't. Right. Um, Right. Typically, they just kind of give everybody a pass. And you're right. I mean, can you imagine, first of all, um, getting back to Tyreek Hill specifically with the Chiefs. um, So in my analytics, which have not taken into account this domestic abuse situation, my analytics say Tyreek Hill is not only the top receiver, but he's far and away the top player in the draft because I do Mm. something called a competitive advantage kind of thing where it's basically you know you take the average of all the players and the the starting players in everybody's fantasy league and the idea is you want to start all of the players that give you the highest point competitive advantage right it's very it's very mathematical but the idea is you want to maximize the points in your lineup right um and Tyreek Hill's like scores like 19 and the second place person's like seven and then everybody and then like the rest of the hundred players go down from like five like the second place player is good but then it goes like from five to like you know zero for the next like 200 players that are in that thing so Tyreek Hill scores at 19 in this system right and so you look at the Chiefs and this is just my analytic um but again you know they they work they really are accurate um 
the 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 situation is I think the Chiefs they don't have the video. They don't want to release him because he's a huge part of that offense. He's a huge For part sure. of Mahomes getting those fifty touchdowns last For year. For sure. Kelsey's he's, a huge he's dynamic. Part, right. Hill was the one in my opinion, and Mahomes is great. Hill makes that offense really, really go. He turns he turns it into a really good offense into like potentially an all time offense like we saw last year. He's just the type of guy where he gets the ball and he yeah. just seems like he's faster than everybody. Yes. Right? And it's like how how can that be possible? This one guy is faster than the other twenty two or the other hundred and five totaling all the teams. Like how can he just be better how is it's he really phenomenal and and like you'll see like some of these highlights and he's wide freaking open and part of this is Mahomes able to break the pocket you know he has yes. that kind of Aaron Rodgers like you know jazz musician type quarterback play well Mahomes will break the pocket and all of a sudden Tyreek Hill is like 50 yards behind everybody and Mahomes just hits him for like long time right I mean he's such a important... couple ballers like that yeah and so look look the Chiefs do not want to release him but they've set a precedent with Kareem Hunt and they know there's been a lot of smoke around um, what's his face, Tyreek Hill. So when that phone recording came out, Tyreek Hill, I don't think he admitted every anything, but he also came out and said something like, like the girl said, I, I remember this because I read the article. I can't, I apologize, I can't cite the source, but I'm sure it's out there if you Google it. Um, the girl said something like, you know, he's he's terrified of you, like the talking about the boy. Yeah. And then he said, you should be terrified of me too, or something like that. So he kind of like Ooh. threatened her, and and that's on audio. And Ooh, so, like the no Chiefs, good. I think the Chiefs are trying to lay low, and they're trying to let due process, like, work itself out. And I think if he can avoid getting charges, the Chiefs will take him. But I think if he gets charges, and I could be wrong in this. I mean, he might have already gotten charges. I could be, I could be wrong. Um, I'm not entirely buttoned up on this, but I just feel like the Chiefs are trying to keep him. But I, I think everybody in the world knows that their hands might be tied here. Right. And yeah. So, it's true. And you're right. I mean, can you imagine? So he gets released, and then the Patriots pick him up off of waivers. Of can, course, right? And oh it's like gosh. I don't know. And that's not judged. It's very bizarre. Yeah, yeah. And it's and you know, he bizarre. goes to the Patriots, and they'll think, you know, you know what the the people will come out there is like the ESPNs or you know whoever they'll come out and they'll say, oh, you know, should the Patriots pick him up? And then everybody's going to be like, well, you know, the Patriots have worked with troubled players before, yes, people with right, bad reputation. The saviors. This is the perfect place for him to go. Bill Belichick will get him on the right pa- page and right path and all that stuff. And oh my gosh! And and the Patriots, you know, the way the way the NFL waivers worked, um, or at least the way it used to work, I'm pretty sure it still does. Is um, when somebody from the AFC releases somebody, it goes reverse records. So the worst team from the AFC. Um, I can't think. Oakland, maybe. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. But whoever's the worst team gets the first waiver. Um, you know, basically dibs. And then if they pass, then the other one, then the second and third, and it'll go all the way up until the top of the uh, of the AFC, which would be the Patriots. And then it would flip over to the NFC, which would be. Mm. Um, it would go, you know, then it would go Cardinals. Now they might've revamped that. Um, I don't understand why the league would do that conference by mm-hmm. conference. They should, to me, they should just be worst record gets dibs, but, um, you know, it's possible that the Patriots would be number 16 in that draft. And if I'm an NFL team, I don't know why you wouldn't at least put the claim in unless it's such yeah. a time to- like Kareem hunt. I understand it because it was, that was so toxic and you had the video or Ray Rice back in the day. But, you know, this is, frankly, it's something that can be swept under the rug. Um, I think it's probably a disgusting thing that happens, but we don't really have proof. And then that entrapment video, that wouldn't even, I don't think, hold up in court. Um, I could be yeah, wrong. I'm not, not know, a lawyer. If you, don't, but, if you don't really have proof, then, yeah, I mean, that's just how it goes. That is it. Um, so anyway, there's that. Then you want to talk a little bit about the Browns, right? 
Uh, I'd like to talk about the Browns. I'm down for that. Let's go. So, um, so the big thing I, I'm guessing what you're bringing up is kind of Odell Beckham not hitting camp, but Correct. you know I know I ha- heard was talking about some stuff. I'm very happy to to talk about his angles because I actually kind of agree with this stuff, and I think Baker Mayfield is is sparring with Hurd again. Baker Mayfield has a uh, has a chip the size of uh, of Ohio on his shoulder, um, which does. is good, man. Hey, man, Michael Jordan played his whole career with a chip on his shoulder, so I don't mind that so much. It can be helpful if he can back it up, and if he can harness that. I, I don't think anyone would disagree that. Michael Jordan harnessed that. Oh yeah, and worked harder than than probably anybody. At least that's what they say. Sure. And uh, yeah, and I'm sure I'm sure that's the truth. So it, it's only useful if Baker can do that. You know, if he, he the thing about Baker Mayfield that that might work against him is that boy does he love himself some Baker. You know. <laughs> He just does, man. If he was a chocolate bar, he'd eat himself. <laughs> I know. So is he going to you know, have a chip on his shoulder and say, everyone's doubting me? Or is he going to have a chip that says, I'm the man, don't listen to these guys, and just get pummeled out there? Because that will happen. Well, throughout the throughout the course of his career, it has worked out for him. I mean, it, I think it, it's easy to forget. I always like to bring this back up. Um, um, he is a guy that basically walked on to two different teams and won the starting quarterback role, two different teams. I mean, he's like, he's pretty, he's pretty, I mean, when people bet against him, he tends to prove him wrong. Um, Yes, yes, but Sean, he did that in college and that is a whole different deal. Yeah. You can, you can really succeed on talent alone in college. It doesn't work that way in the NFL, you know? Yeah, I hear you. And I think the, the, the world is going a little overboard. And again, we've talked about this. I feel it, it looks like, you know, early days Dan Snyder team where they're just buying names at this point. Right, right. You know, I like the, the Beckham I, I the Beckham stuff, like it is it is um what is it, voluntary camp, you know, he doesn't have to do it. I do think it's If it's your first year with the team, you should go. I mean, you need to learn the system. You need to establish relationships. Cleveland keeps saying it's not a big deal. Um, I think actually, you know, I heard this on Hurd. I haven't actually seen the news, but Hurd said that uh, head coach Kitchen said that Odell, you know, they prefer to be there and all that stuff. Look, I'm not – I don't bristle as much with players that don't um, show up to camp, but I do think when you're starting a new job, you know, if you're starting with a new company, you got to put the work in. You got to bust your ass a little little extra. Right. Um, and, you know, it's a weird thing because it's not mandatory, which always bothered me. Is it mandatory? Is it not? Is it something that they leave open to, I don't know, suggestion or just to see who's really committed and who cares more? I don't know. It's a little ridiculous. Well, let me say but, this. So you and I used to work together, right? Um, mm-hmm. Way back in the day, um, back in Florida. And, you know, I, I got to a point where you know we were um, we were on the same team, and then I got like a little one of those fake promotions that's title only, and then we opened an office, and I moved up to Chicago, and I had that regional manager, and then you know our, our senior manager left, and I ended up taking over the department, and you know as I went through that journey in my life, I think first of all one of the big reasons where I got those first two that position promotion and that um, that regional manager promotion is because everybody on our team for the most part did kind of the bare minimum would you agree well, with yeah, that yeah i know well i know i did yeah. i can't and i know a couple others did but i i can't speak for them but i definitely did yeah and so like you get people that do the bare minimum and i've i've you know and when i came into that job brad um you know not you know i'm, I'm kind of a private guy and so a lot of people didn't know this but a lot of the guys on our team or in girls on our team thought i was you know being a, a kiss ass 
And the reality was I had moved back from California and I had been laid off a couple of times because I was trying to get, you know, my writing career going. And so my resume was, was crud. And so I was in a point where I was in desperation mode. And if I got laid off again, I was, you know, I don't know what I've been doing. I was already sleeping on sofas at that point. I was already homeless, you know, for mm-hmm. a lot, a lot of that part. And so at that point I was in cage tiger mode. It's like, I'm backed into a corner and I need to do what I need to do to live. And so, you know, because of those experiences, I kind of, I don't know, like a, you know, I, I shedded my skin a little bit. I got a little bit stronger. I was like, okay, you know, I can do this or I can ship in here or maybe I can do a little bit of weekend testing there to make my boss's life a little bit easier. And that to me wasn't necessarily being uh, about being a kiss ass and trying to move up. It was really about trying to preserve life. But, you know, then I get into management and I, I had to deal with a lot of the people. Um, you were gone at that point, but I had to deal with a lot of people um, at that job. And I was like, okay, well, I need somebody to test on the weekend. And so I'd send out the same email that our bosses used to send us. And like two people would always say, hey, I can do it if you need me to. Yeah, right. And then like 10 people wouldn't wouldn't do it. And I'd say, okay. And then what I did, uh, unlike my predecessor, what I did was I would just keep working the people that volunteered, but I would always give them time off, comp, and, mm-hmm. you know, comp time. Or when the raises came about, I would sit in the, the, the meetings with my boss and with the executives and say, Look at what this person did. They always volunteer. I want to give this person, you know, $5,000 raise this year. Whereas the people that didn't volunteer, I'd be like, you know, they do their job. They do what's asked of them and nothing more. And, you know, maybe I'll ask for like a 2% inflation raise or something like that. And But what ended up becoming a problem was that like a lot of those people that did the bare minimum wanted the biggest raises. It's just like, that's not the, that's not the way it works. And that's how I feel with, you know, that career little story and tangent, applying it to, to Odell Beckham, like he can get away with this now because his physical talent allows him to be good, but Mm. he's shortening his career in my point, in my opinion, because there's this, there's a point in time where your physical talent, like the younger kids are going to catch up to you and it's going to be in the next like three to four years. Sure. I think. Yeah. Well, it's inevitable. Yeah. And so I don't like I don't like bare minimum guy, you know, um, you, you know, if you're accountable and you're trying to put a team together and build a cycle to win a win a championship. I think locker room is very important. Now, maybe well, not so much right. with that young team in Cleveland, but I'm worried about the character of the team. I really am. I mean, I you know, what what's the saying? Heavy is the head that wears the crown or right. something like that, right? Right. So if he if he's going to be the guy of the team that makes the big bucks in the face of it, and he wants it to be a winning culture, then I think he needs to. He's the guy that needs to be there Agreed, and say man. anybody else that is not here is a punk and will not get a shot because we are owning this thing and we are going to be winners. And the fact that he's not there screams the opposite. Do you ever see Julian Edelman not go? You know. You know, do you no. ever see, um, let me think of another guy. You ever see Larry Fitzgerald not go? No, to man, no. I no. mean, like, did you ever see Calvin Johnson not go? Like, you can be a great player and be a good teammate, you know? And, and like, I know there's there's people, like, actually, this is a this is an argument I had. I can't remember who the player was. Maybe it was Darrell Revis. Um, there was somebody I was having this argument maybe with, with uh, the Wolf of Tarpon Springs, our, our good mutual friend there. Um, and I would say, man, like this, this stuff matters. Like you got to show up because, you know, when you're, when you have the highest contract on the team, people are looking up to you, you know, like your draft picks are looking up to you to your work ethic. What do we always hear about Terrell Owens and Jerry Rice? You know, Terrell Owens like got to training camp and he saw Jerry Rice, the greatest receiver of all time, um, a living legend. Every time he caught the ball in training camp, he ran a sprint to the end of the end zone. 
So what did Terrell Owens start doing? Every time he caught the ball in training, he just mimicked Jerry Rice. And he did that mm-hmm. throughout his career. And say what you want about Terrell Owens and his attitude. The dude performed. He was great. He could still probably play NFL football. Right. He probably still could, right? You know, and, and there's just a serious work ethic when it comes to this stuff. And I do think I'm a big I'm a big locker room teamwork guy, especially in the NFL when people get dinged up and everything. You gotta be able to lead by example. And it just it just concerns me when when Odell Beckham going to a new team does this stuff to me. Like if he did this next year, it wouldn't be as big of a deal, but for him making this first impression, I just, I don't like it, man. Correct. I don't like it at all. Correct. Correct. And you know, it just seems like it's a bunch of guys that would just rather be the guy than work hard and win, yeah. you know, like a bunch of guys who would rather all get their stats first. Yes. And maybe catch 20 less balls a year, but have another win or two because of that, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And then I have you guys. Yeah. Just, just to wrap it up here too, because we're kind of getting the end of the episode. The, um, so the Browns, they have slipped a little bit in their odds. You know, the, I think, um, a lot of this uh, negative publicity is, is making them slip. There's there's sanity coming, but they're now they're plus 1400, which I think is tied for seventh with Indianapolis and the chargers and the Eagles, um, the the next team after that group is the Green Bay Packers. So you have the Patriots, Chiefs, Rams, Saints, and uh, those are all in front of them. Then they're also tied with the Bears. So mm-hmm. I think you know they're probably about where they should be if they get downgraded to like seventeen hundred, and then you get into the, like the Packers and Falcons, and that sounds about right to me given the physical talent on this team. But I think in I still reality, think it's really high. I still think it's very, very high. Yeah. I'm, I'm staying away from this. I mean, you got the Ravens at 3,300. Um, you got the Houston Texans who I like at 2,500. Mm-hmm. And we just said Indianapolis and the chargers. I like them a lot more. I feel like they should be a plus thousand. Mm-hmm. Um, and green Bay. I like, and, and actually Atlanta, I like um, a little mm-hmm. bit more. So I'd probably slide Indianapolis past, past Dallas and past Houston ahead of Minnesota. That's where I'd put them right now. Yeah, I, I don't see high hopes for Minnesota. Where's Chicago at? Do you remember? Chicago, Chicago's at plus 1,400 in that same oh, group. I think that's a little too high for them, too. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, but uh, yeah. Hey, man, that was a good episode. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Fun talk. Um, so, you know, we'll probably get by same time next week. Although, Brad, you're, you're doing a little bit of uh, travel for... On Father's Day, and I'm actually doing a little bit of travel myself, so we'll have to come up with a time. We'll have to record this remotely. I'll record it from like my parents' basement. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so um, yeah, everybody out there, thanks for listening. Check out that draft guide; it's really good. Um, I think there's a free sample on my website, which is functionalsportsaholic.com. Uh, you can search once again if you go to Amazon.com. Um, and search for Fantasy Football Almanac or my name, which is Sean Ryan, S E A N R Y A N, or uh, Functional Sports of Hawk. You should be able to find that on Amazon. So, either way, you can kind of get a sample, see what it's all about. But, uh, you know, a lot of the people that I communicated with, we give free offseason updates. Um, a lot of people I communicated with that didn't have like really awful injury issues made their championship game. So, I mean, it really does work. Um, it's not just another draft guide we do some things that are a little contrarian we put our own projections and stats together and they've been vetted over you know 10 to 15 years to be playing fantasy football and of course last year with the publication so check it out um other than that everybody out go out have a great week get paid